are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Miami Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at TheDraftNetwork.com, Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and feeling some sort of way this evening. I'm recording about an hour before midnight and uh, just got done getting a tip from a friend of mine uh, to go listen to the latest edition of the Bill Simmons podcast. Now, I admittedly, Bill, well known for his Boston uh, affinity for the teams, the sports teams up north in the Boston region. Not a big Bill Simmons guy. Uh, but The Ringer, uh, which is one of Bill Simmons' project, is a great website. You know, they put out great work. and uh, Bill Simmons had Kevin Clark on his latest podcast. And they talked about the NFL draft for about 12 to 15 minutes. And throughout the course of this conversation, uh, Kevin Clark had a chance uh, to touch on the Miami Dolphins their situation at six, and it falls in line with one of the immediate reactions that we had when we first were processing the Dolphins' trade from three to 12 and back to six. I'm going to read you an excerpt from Kevin Clark. So the conspiracy theory around the league is everybody was wondering why the Dolphins traded up from 12 to 6. And a lot of that was because I think there are people in the league who think the Dolphins believe 6 is still the, quote, catbird seat, and they can get more draft capital, and they can wait for a desperate team to come up and get, you can get maybe even a few more second round picks, maybe a first round pick, depending on how that shakes out. So I think the Dolphins wanted to be in the thick of it and could take advantage of more desperation. The Dolphins have been getting very good at taking advantage of desperation over the last few years, or they could just take somebody at six if it doesn't work and they get a weapon for Tua. So I think there's that flexibility at six that doesn't exist at 12. You're really waiting for the draft to shake out before you know what you can get at 12. Aha! There's that key word for the Miami Dolphins offseason again, flexibility. It's the name of the game. What I do think is fascinating is that this move from 12 to 6, never mind the move from 3 to 12, was presumably, uh, based on Clark's reaction and the discussions that he has had, uh, equally as mystifying and intriguing and uh, unconventional for those around the league as it was for us as Dolphins fans to process, well, you went from 3 to 12 and back to 6 and you gave up a future one. This is, Chris Greer's playing a different game than everybody else now. If this works out, if the Dolphins were to make a move and they managed to get another lion-sized haul, for the number six overall pick that exceeds what they gave up to move back from 12 to six, uh, regardless of where it drops you in the draft order. Because I I think this is a deep wide receiver class. Uh, Obviously, the opportunity to draft Kyle Pitts is a unique one. 
and one that would be very exciting. But let me ask you this. What happens if the Falcons take Pitts and the Bengals take Jamar Chase? And now all of a sudden you're sitting here and Justin Fields and potentially Trey Lance are sitting on the board and Detroit has been rumored softly to be a potential landing spot for Trey Lance, regardless of the presence of Jared Goff. And that would make sense given that that Trey Lance, ideally you don't have to play him right away to get him up to speed for the NFL game, considering he has 17 career starts and coming from an FCS program. Anybody want to jump up and get in front of Detroit and Denver at nine, regardless of what happened with Carolina? The risk you run with this, if you go too far back, you might not end up getting any of the big four pass catchers. But, but, it's a deep pass catcher class. I like Rashad Bateman a lot and happen to think he would be a phenomenal fit for the Dolphins. Kadarius Toney, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore if you want to put him in that bucket. Terrence Marshall, maybe not so much, a little bit too redundant to Devontae Parker. Okay, that's fine. We didn't get into Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. We didn't get into Amari Rogers from Clemson. There are options. And yes, I think the big three wide receivers in Kyle Pitts are a cut above everybody else. But if you get a desperate team that calls you up and gets into a bidding war, you know, and we kind of dismissed this once Carolina left. But if you open the door to teams a little bit further back in the order, I think it opens the door back up for this conversation to be had. What's fascinating is you're moving back if you're entertaining those teams. You know, Denver at nine is probably the best case scenario, but you're going to minimize what you get. New England, you're probably not doing business with, but maybe Minnesota, they've been a team that's been whispered uh, to be in the quarterback market, and they have a, a fairly advanced team. Could they be a team to jump a division rival in Detroit for a quarterback that they love in Trey Lance, break their own tendency? They're a team that typically likes to trade back. Cut off the New England Patriots in the pursuit of a quarterback. Cut off their division rival, the Detroit Lions. You still have Kirk Cousins. You, again, don't have to force him to play early. What about teams like Washington and Chicago at 19 and 20? That's a long ways to go back. But the advantage of going back a long ways is you get a lot. Chicago is willing to give up three ones and change for Russell Wilson. What can you possibly entertain them to give up to go up to six if the board doesn't fall the way you like. And I hear you. Devontae Smith, if he's there, you know, if Pitts and Chase are gone, Devontae Smith, what happens if, what price exceeds what Devontae Smith can give you when you can get another wide receiver at either 18 or theoretically 20 or 36, plus whatever you would get? from Chicago in year one versus future returns. I'm just asking the question. But listening to Kevin Clark kind of talk about the conspiracy theory around the league is the Dolphins want to play the game a little bit. You know, we we talked about how they've become the proverbial gatekeeper of a second run on quarterbacks. Even if Atlanta takes one, then they're, okay, now you got one left. You got one left. Cincinnati's not taking him. Cincinnati almost never trades down. 
The more scarcity you can create, the higher demand you're going to get, the more desperation you're going to get. And Chris Greer will find a sucker in the room. He will. He'll sniff you out. He proved it with Bill O'Brien. He proved it with San Francisco. Because I guarantee you, San Francisco, the heat is on. They had a team that made it to the Super Bowl. They had everybody get hurt last year. Uh, but they're on the clock. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, you got a glass ceiling over your head. So San Francisco gave up a ton. And if Miami parlays that into a greater trade down, and they set up this team for an embarrassment of riches, yet again, I'm building a statue for Chris Greer in the backyard. <laughs> now, the, of course, the board has to fall a certain way. You have to have a team that's willing to play ball and pay an inconceivable amount to jump up and go get a quarterback. I get it. Long shot, maybe. But again, from Kevin Clark of The Ringer on the Bill Simmons podcast, the conspiracy theory around the league is everybody was wondering why the Dolphins traded up from 12 to 6, and a lot of that was because I think there are people in the league who think the Dolphins believe 6 is still the catbird seat, and they can still get more draft capital. Game on, folks. Welcome to Power to the Pod. (laughs) Your show, 10 minutes later, your questions, your topics, your hot takes pertaining to the Miami Dolphins. Football season may be over, but Bet Online still has plenty of sports action for you to get in on NBA, MLB, and NHL all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, television shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. I feel like Bruce Buffer from the UFC. It's time. Power to the pod. iTunes reviews questions starting things up first. Cool kids table. Left on 410. Great show, Kyle. Makes my daily commute easier. First of all, thanks for listening. Here's my question, A or B, draft hypotheticals. Group A, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Phillips, Tevin Jenkins, Javon Holland, Chuba Hubbard, or B, Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris, Creed Humphrey, Elijah Molden, Jordan Smith. Well, if we look at top pass catcher, I think you got a better pass catcher in Group A. you got a better pass rusher in Group A. You got a better offensive lineman in Group A. You got a better running back in Group B. And I'm going to call the nickel defender a push. So 3 1 1 advantage Group A. I like that, though. I like bringing a couple options to the table and looking at blends and combinations. Mad Titan, five star. Listen to your show every morning on the drive to work. Thank you so much for listening. I'm also friends with a Jets and Bills fan, groomsmen in my wedding. Feel your pain. Thank you. It's always nice to know people who, who the, the people in their life that are nearest and dearest to them have terrible taste in football teams. Question. If the Dolphins miss out on the top three running backs, could you see a scenario where they trade with the Browns for Kareem Hunt, similar to what they did last year for Matt Breida? I wouldn't take anything off the table. Uh, I think the Dolphins know what they need to get accomplished. 
The question is, what would the price for Kareem Hunt be, uh, given his role on the Browns' offense and Nick Chubb's presence there? And does that mean you get him at a discount? Are they going to hold on to tight? Because he's still a, a very productive player on the offense. I just don't, like, do the Dolphins have enough assets this year to get that done? Or do you wait until after the draft and try and give up 2022 capital? It's hard to say. Um but I can imagine Hunt would not be cheap because he's a, a very good running back. He's obviously had a little bit of a, a troubled off-the-field past, um, but he is very talented physically and would be the style of back his one-cut runner style, uh, physical in between the tackles. I do think he could be a, a fit for the Dolphins. Von Carr. Kyle, thanks for all you do. Thanks for listening. I'm getting deja vu with the addition of Will Fuller. I was waiting for somebody to go here. Mike Wallace was also supposed to open up the defense for our young quarterback. Please explain why this situation is different. Uh, first of all, I think it helps your case that Will Fuller's here on a one-year deal. He still has plenty to play for. He's still in a contract year. Uh, lots to earn with a successful season, whereas Mike Wallace got a more long-term contract. Uh and Mike seemed to get quite content. I think Will in 2020 showed he was a much more diverse player as a receiver than just a guy who ran vertical routes. Uh, I would not make the mistake of pegging Will Fuller as just somebody who's going to run nines, corners, and, and posts. He can win in a lot of different phases, and he was asked to do so uh, in 2020 for the Houston Texans without DeAndre Hopkins on the roster. He was on pace for like 1,300 yards before he got suspended. So uh, I think that's where you look for optimism is he's still motivated to play, and 2020 showed he can be more than just a guy who is going to be your vertical guy, where I think that's what Mike always was, never mind the fact that he never really meshed with Ryan Tannehill. JZW, kind of getting out, <laughs> getting out, uh, ahead of what we talked about on the opening segment today, if Pitts and Chase are gone and the Finns pick at six, would it make sense to try and trade down and target Rashad Bateman? Two of Jones, Lance, and Fields would be available, so I can imagine Chicago, Washington, maybe Pittsburgh will be interested, get into the 19-24 range. It, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Are Waddle and Smith that much better than Bateman? Uh, I have Waddle as my number one wide receiver in the class. That's me personally, not applying the filters that the Dolphins would go through. Uh, but I think you can make a very compelling argument for Rashad Bateman, who ran a ton of RPOs and in-breaking routes into the middle of the field and has more run-after catchability than anybody the Dolphins have on their roster based on the tape that he put on display. I think you can make a very strong case for Bateman being a substantial fit for Miami. Five Burks. Kyle, awesome show. When Gasecki was a rookie and didn't produce, it was because the tight end position is so hard to translate to all the nuances. We were told to be patient year two, year three, and then we will see production. If that is the case, why would we draft a tight end at six rather than a wide receiver that can produce year one unless we just call Pitts a wide receiver and he doesn't play tight end in year one? Um, that is the risk that exists with Kyle Pitts to a certain degree, but I think Kyle Pitts does have enough versatility to stay on the field and do enough different things 
Part of the issue with Mike Gusecki's first season was Adam freaking Gase had him in pass protection on 20% of his snaps as a rookie. I kid you not, 20% of his snaps were taken in pass pro because the offensive line stunk, and Adam's reaction to it was, okay, then we need to go max protect, so put Gusecki out there and have him block. He never blocked at Penn State. No kidding he was going to be bad. It's almost like you're a bad coach. So... I understand the apprehension, and I think when we did the Pitts show, I think we did acknowledge that, at least when you're talking about cons, is traditionally there is more of a transition period. But we haven't seen a lot of guys that play by the rules that Kyle Pitts does. And, you know, obviously, you know, on social media, like, man, this guy had 700 receiving yards. Like, why is everybody losing their mind over this guy? da 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 But when you watch him play and you're, you watch him beat up J.C. Horn and beat up Tyson Campbell, you know, top flight corners in this year's class, beat up Patrick Sertain and win down the field and win in the short game. Uh, I think you're, you, I would feel comfortable enough if calling him a wide receiver is what's going to make you feel confident that he can contribute right away. He's physically capable of contributing right away. And the Dolphins have enough other guys that can take those ugly reps in pass, bro. Like, if you're if you're using Kyle Pitts to block, you know, he's fine on first down. Should be fine. You want to run block, you want to go play action pass, you want to lean him in, whatever. But, like, if you're using Kyle Pitts on anything other than, like, the smallest of fractions of your plays to block, you're misusing his talent. Regardless of whether he lines up in line or he, he lines up with his hand in the dirt or he lines up in the backfield or he lines up out wider in the slot. Power to the pod question from PA Fins 73 If Miami only picks one offensive line player in this draft, which position should they focus on, tackle or center? Give me the center all day. I have my soft spot for Landon Dickerson. I do think we are starting to reach the point where Landon Dickerson has evolved the narrative around his status enough based on the fact that he was doing cartwheels at the Alabama Pro Day. We may consider you're only going to get two swings of the bat at Landon Dickerson. F6 and 18. Because Pittsburgh's at 24 and they lost Marquise Pounce. He retired. You have the Green Bay Packers So I think 29th overall. And they lost Corey Lindsley. He left in free agency. You've got a couple of teams. The Kansas City Chiefs at 31. Overhauling the entire offensive line. They would have been in the market for Rodney Hudson had he not been traded to Arizona. Landon Dickerson might be gone sooner than we think. And if that's the case, if teams are comfortable with the medicals or teams say, you know what? You know, the tape is so good, we're going to jump on this guy. He's a power center. Those are typically the guys that get drafted high. Creed Humphrey's a perfectly fine alternative. And if you miss on those two, you might as well buckle in and expect to see the Dolphins go get Quinn Miners. But I think the interior needs a cornerstone, a keystone in the middle. You at least have young guys who are, can develop a tackle before making a decision on if you need to go a different direction or not. Davis. Finn's fan from New Hampshire. Props, man. You're all the way up there in past territory. Finding quality Dolphins content is hard. My power to the pod question, if we don't snag Harris, Etienne, or Williams, which veteran running backs? Gurley, Bell, Peterson, 
make the most sense to bring into our system. I like the alternative of, of trading for a player like Kareem Hunt, even if it's a rich pick, over bringing in Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, or Todd Gurley, all of which, in my personal opinion, this is personal opinion, are washed. Jonesy. I listen to Draft Dudes as well. Love listening to your show. Thank you very much for listening. From every metric you have given covering the top pass catchers, one thing sticks out to me is sample size. I feel Waddle and Chase are boom or bust, and Smith will be good if he can stay healthy and in the right environment. With all of that considered, is there any of those players worth a top 10 selection? I feel as though we should trade back if Pitts isn't on the board. That's the most challenging thing about the draft, and especially in this year when there's less games that were played, less information collected, is this This is a year in which you have to trust your ability to project. And I don't think there's any question that Chase and Waddle project as elite physical talents at the wide receiver position. It's... What are the medicals like? What is the player development going to be like? What is the chemistry with the players already existing on the roster and the style of play they're going to have? Devontae Smith, not as physically impressive, probably more pro-ready, quote-unquote, technical side of the game is off the charts. I just think his ceiling might be tempered a little bit relative to the other two. So do you want to play it safe? Do you want to get aggressive? Do you trust your forecast? If not, I don't know what to tell you. That's just kind of the way this year is breaking down, unfortunately. So good question for sure. And you just have to trust whatever your process is as the Dolphins. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals or do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Shifting gears. We are going to work fast. As fast as I possibly can. Working through the Twitter questions. Of course, I put out the tweet 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday. Power to the pod tomorrow. What's on your mind? We got 62 responses plus a slew of DMs. <laughs> okay, you guys are going to kill me. Let's go. Gregory Taylor. Love the show. Five stars. My folks both went to Penn State. I'm a Finns fan who lives in Georgia. My question is, do you agree that the earliest Miami should pick a running back is at 36? I think they should wait until 50 unless the guy we really want is available at 36. It depends on who's there at 18. I have to be completely honest. I can get really excited about some of the other potential options. Micah Parsons. And listen, I know I did the the pros and cons of drafting Micah Parsons yesterday. And I know like two weeks ago, I had said on the show, you know, I'm not in on Micah Parsons. And I had somebody who actually asked me, Uh, Yesterday, what changed? And I'm glad they asked me that because it reminded me to bring this up on the show. 
when I was looking at the scope of the Dolphins and Micah Parsons, I was looking at it largely through the scope of the Elan and Roberts type role. And it wasn't until I started doing prep for the show yesterday that it kind of put two and two together and said, well, wait a minute, what about the Kyle Van Noy role? And that's where I got really excited about Micah Parsons as a prospect and his potential fit for the Dolphins. If Parsons is there in the Kyle Van Noy role, I'm excited about it. If Jalen Phillips is there, I'm absolutely excited about it. Um, I don't think there's any offense. Like, I would like Tevin Jenkins, and you can get into the debate of another offensive tackle like Tevin Jenkins versus what you've got uh, with the running backs. I think you just, I can't say for certain until I know what the board looks like at 18 to know whether I feel confident going in a different direction or if it's like, well, let's not get cute here. Let's just take the back. Next question from Mattia Mazzetti. One strange thought. What if that we are thinking it all wrong? What if the Dolphins don't take any receiver but go for line, say Slater and running back or a defender in the first round? If the Dolphins take Rayshon Slater at six, like Peter Schrager had suggested, I will lose my mind. Slater flies in the face of everything the Dolphins have told us they covet in offensive linemen, unless you're playing him at center. Are you drafting a center at six? I can't see it. I wouldn't expect Slater to get outside the top ten, though. He'll play tackle for somebody. Emmanuel, do you think Flores values an edge defender enough to spend a first-round pick on that position? See, that's an interesting question because I don't have a definitive answer for you. The Patriots-style defenses uh, and the Belichickian model has often found that you get your pass rushers, your power rushers, who are often at times not the most high in-demand pass rushers in the draft class, you can find them on day two and later. So I wish I had some more clarity on, you know, okay, what are your thresholds here? But inevitably, this regime is going only going into year three. It's going to be really hard to kind of put your thumb on what their tendencies are going to be. And unfortunately, you know, we're kind of stuck trying to forecast and split the difference between how the Patriots did things and what we know about the Dolphins and what they went after in free agency last year. What I do know is they weren't afraid to invest in that and invest heavily in that between Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noy. So uh, I think if they feel that that position is unsettled, they'll be willing to do what it takes to get it right. Jay Metch, Kyle, love the pod. Thanks for all the insight you share. I'm excited for the real draft to get here. Here's my mock. How do you rate it? We went Pitts at 6, Parsons at 18. My guy. Terrence Marshall at 36, Gregory Rousseau at 50, Trey Sermon at 81, Amory Thomas, the corner from Michigan at 156, and Jalen Darden, uh, 231. So, uh, like Pitts a lot, like Parsons a lot. I think those are blue chip players on both sides of the ball. You get that, you're thrilled. And for people who said, you know, I, I heard that in, in feedback to yesterday's show, I was oh, Parsons ain't going to make it to 18. All I'm saying is the guy didn't play football last year, and he had the hazing incident and some maturity questions that had been posed publicly by the likes of like Bucky Brooks. Never say never. Never say never with the NFL draft. 
if you would have told me that CeeDee Lamb would have been on the board with the 17th overall pick, I would have collectively lost my mind in last year's draft. And sure enough, the Dallas Cowboys took him at 17. Uh, Terrence Marshall, 36. I think he's maybe a little bit too redundant versus what we have. And Devontae Parker, that Preston Williams type. Uh, the comp that my colleague at TDN, Joe Marino, came up with for Terrence Marshall was Devontae Parker. Gregory Rousseau at 50. Again, he didn't test great. He had a really good 10-yard split time. He came in at 266. The jumps were underwhelming. The explosiveness was underwhelming. He only has one year of starting sample size. Don't be surprised. And I, I know a lot of you guys have followed Greg Rousseau closely and the Hurricanes closely because they're in Miami. Don't be surprised if he slips a little bit. The days in which he was considered a top five pick from like May and June, those days are gone. There's questions about Greg Rousseau. And then Trey Sermon at 81, I think, is terrific value and your perfect backup plan for the Dolphins' style of play. Evan, which offseason was more stressful, 2020 or 2021, especially with all the Tua talk? Uh, this one's calmed down a little bit. Uh, this one started out real intense because the Dolphins, everybody was on edge. The Dolphins missed the playoffs, won 10 games, sour taste in everybody's mouth. Then the Deshaun Watson murmurs started going around. Those have obviously been put on the back burner, there's there's bigger things uh, that, that need to be figured out pertaining to Sean Watson other than where he's playing football uh, in, in 2021. Uh, Dolphins get Will Fuller after a slow start in free agency. Everybody's kind of collectively holding their breath. It was a little rocky there for, for the start, and then the Dolphins make the jump from 3 to 6, or 3 to 12 to 6, and everybody's you know all elated about the future pick. So I'll say the buildup to the quarterbacks was more dramatic because it went all the way to the wire. I would say this offseason was more stressful from January to the beginning of the league year, uh, but 2020 would take the cake because it went wire to wire. Chuck, Kyle, play the GM. All four receiving threats are available at six. At 18, all three backs plus the edge you covet plus the linebacker you covet. Who do you take and why? I take Kyle Pitts at six because he's my highest rated prospect out of the group, and he's the most rare player at his respective position. Waddle, I think, has the biggest immediate impact for the Dolphins, but I think the ceiling with Pitts has sold me on Pitts being my preferred choice if he's there at six. And having done the research on all four of the top pass catchers and the pros and cons of them each, having been very thorough in vetting all that out, Kyle Pitts, uh, Jalen Waddle would be my top wide receiver choice, Kyle Pitts my top overall choice. And then at 18, I'm probably taking, jeez, Micah Parsons. Jalen Phillips has some medical stuff, concussions, wrist. That's questionable. I think Micah Parsons, I've talked myself into uh, at 18, supposing he's there, playing the Kyle Van Noy role, he's going to have just as much opportunity to help bolster the pass rush as anybody else would. So that, knowing that he's going to contribute a lot of the time on the line of scrimmage in how I've perceived his best role in this defense would be uh, is what makes me go that way over top of Jalen Phillips. If Jalen Phillips did not have medical questions, Micah Parsons has some off-the-field questions that need to be answered and vetted, but Jalen Phillips has medical questions, including concussions, and that gets scary. So if like I'm making the choice with my job on the line, 
I probably go with Micah Parsons. And then I'm seeing who's there at 36. And if I feel like it's it's going to blow up in my face and, I, and we see two out of the three go, maybe I start to get anxious and I, I look to start moving up and trade up in the draft order to ensure I get that back and don't come up empty-handed. Or I wait it out. If they make it to 36, great. If not, okay, my eyes are on Trey Sermon. I'm going to continue taking good football players, fill out uh, an interior offensive line spot, and a pass rusher on day two. Couple of quick ones here. Bring it home. Danny, we take Pitts at six. Yay. Then either Smith or Waddle falls to 14. Do you trade up from 18 for either player? Uh, I'm looking into it, but not having a four is going to hurt you here. Uh, you have 81, and then you don't pick again until, I believe, 156. That's a big gap, and it's going to be really hard unless Minnesota's comfortable getting 2022 assets to get that job done. You'd probably have to give up 81 in that scenario, which then you really better make them. Then, like, then you need to be in the conversation of trading back from either 36 or 50 and kick that ball down the road a little bit. Fins up. What are your expectations for Brandon Jones, Noah, and Raekwon Davis for year two? Uh, Raekwon expecting massive things for a massive human being. Brandon Jones expecting him uh, to continue to be a part of Dolphins go three three safeties on defense. Uh, Noah is hopefully going to get into the action on the nickel spot. Uh, if not, he's going to be an insurance policy that that the Dolphins paid an absolute premium for that is going to be a hard pill to swallow. If we get to the end of 2021 and Noah hasn't found a niche role within the roster, then we can start to really inspect that pick and ask why, what happened, and what's the future of the pick. Non-football question, then a football question to bring us home. Better cartoon, the Flintstones or the Jetsons? I think I'm going with the Flintstones. That crossover was weird, wasn't it? Last question of the day from the spectacular sports spot. What's the best way to scout players with only TV angles? I want to be a football scout and enjoy writing articles, but sometimes I'm not sure what's the best method to watch a particular player. TV angles are tough, man. I did it uh, first getting into the business, and and what I would recommend is uh, make sure you're sharing your work. Make sure you're networking. Uh, because people, you start networking and people begin to understand who you are and the work that you put in, uh, they'll be willing to help you and share uh, their resources with you. And then that's how you've got to the point uh, where you can start getting some coaches film in all 22. Some positions are easier than others. Some conferences are easier than others. I found the Pac-12 has really high television angles, and a lot of times you can get the entire all 22 on the field at the same time, even on the TV broadcast. So uh, start looking around little bit. Um, check out the sky cams too. Sky cams give you behind the quarterback look from time to time. Uh, so you just got to be a little bit more resourceful and, and keep networking and keep your nose to the grindstone and, and keep after it, man. I got a ton more questions, but we can't tackle them today. We've gone long already. Uh, so what I'm going to hope to do is find five minutes or so each day the rest of the week at the end of the show to tackle some more of these questions because I really want to make sure you guys have your voice heard on the show. So if I didn't get to your question today, stick with me. Come back tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. We'll take a look. We'll make sure we get as many of these in as we possibly can. Also check out Dolphins Wire. A lot of times I'll use your questions as inspiration for writing material over at DolphinsWire.com as well. So Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks As always, so much for listening to the show. I appreciate each and every one of you. Fins up. Have a great day. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.